0: Right, Good day, listeners, to the Elevate Experience podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Seth Provencio, and we are in for quite a very, very, very special treat today. I have with me Mr. Connor McKibben, who is a uh, recent graduate of our program. You graduated last week, didn't you?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: Right on. So he just finished his program, and he, um, lucky for us, he's such a great guy. You know, he stayed on, and, and now he is uh, an intern with us, which is really cool we're really stoked to have you Um, you know and we you know like our listeners I know they're very curious about um, you know what what really goes on in the Elevate program and you have people like myself or Tommy or Keon who have you know years of you know of gap or years of distance from the completion of our programs Uh, but you graduated last Friday yeah fresh is is that like seven days ago yeah. Right? So, you know, like, um, uh, I'd we'd love to hear um, a little bit about, you know, like, how'd you get to, to elevate, man? Like, um, this isn't where you parked your car, right?
1: <laughs> I wish I had a car to park, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, well, man, uh, so basically about a year ago, um, I went to a, a mental health hospital um, mm-hmm. just from, you know. Psychosis and uh, alcohol abuse, meth abuse, things like that. And um, while I was in there, I didn't know my mother was uh, looking for a rehab for me. Mm-hmm. This was about a year ago. And so um, I had no idea. I didn't know the whole year. Apparently she told me. I didn't remember. I was on drugs. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. I was on a lot of drugs. Right. But um, so uh, earlier this year in May, uh, I... I called my mom around seven in the morning. I tried to detox myself. Um, it worked a little bit, um, but then you know I just started kind of losing my mind and lo- breaking you know friendships up and things like that. And you know I I called her at seven in the morning after being up all night, and I was like, Mom, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I can't function in real life. I can't you know keep a job to save my life, which has never been a problem for me. Uh, and she was like, Well. You know, we've been talking to that Josh guy. I'm like, what are you talking about? What Josh guy? (laughs) And she was like, "Uh, yeah, we've, the the guy that I told you about, had no idea what she was talking about, but I said, you you know what? Send me over the website. Let me look at it. I read through every single thing, you know, just to see if it was something. And uh, I kind of decided that I'd been looking for rehab. I just didn't really know that you
0: know. Yeah, so you said your mom was talking to Josh and that's uh Josh Penn from our uh admissions uh department. If yes. you call the the helpline for elevated addiction services or if you go to our website uh and you make a call to us, uh he's going to be one of those people that answers. Uh do you know how long your mom was talking to him before you actually entered treatment? A year. She was talking to him for <laughs> yeah. a whole year? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. stayed
1: in touch just through email. Um, You know, he said, like, you know, he's not ready yet, but just wait for when he is, because he will be. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, I was, I was ready. I got to that point, you know? Yeah. It it happens when you're all messed up
0: on drugs and
1: can't keep a job, dude. Can't be with your friends, your family anymore. You know, it's just, it is what Mm -hmm. it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's very common for, uh, people to be in touch with our admissions and intakes office, you know, for, I've heard of even one time a guy being in contact with us since 2019, you know, 2018. Wow. wow. Um, yeah, and, you know, and our admissions guys will will call the family, you know, or you know, uh, an individual's mother or father, and just kind of check up on them, because you know, when you're not ready, it ain't gonna work. <laughs> it ain't gonna work. No, it's right? Not. You know, but it's you know, people like us who who got to Elevator are, are very fortunate in the fact that, you know we picked our bottom before our bottom picked us for a lack of a better way to say it right truth i once heard somebody say that you know all people who struggle with this stop using but not all live to to discuss definitely you know definitely so you know so you got here you 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 left your job right right Well, I mean, your job... Well, they let let me go. go. They
1: let me go, yeah.
0: Yeah. I. uh, You
1: know, I was good at work when I was at work. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, staying up four days in a row, five days in a row, Mm -hmm. my body would just shut down, and then I wouldn't show up to work. Uh, And that was a thing for the past year. I went through, like, eight jobs in the past year. And so, and I've always been very consistent at work, which is Mm -hmm. one of the, you know, warning signs I had to tell me that I needed something. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, they, you know, I... I knew that I was going to lose my job. Um, I had a friend that was there helping me detox at my house. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I woke up at 5, apparently in my sleep. I told her that I was going to call in or something. Yeah. Um, And she was walking out, and I remember just looking at her being like, I just lost my job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a big wake-up call. I'd had a lot of that happen, but, Mm -hmm. you know, for the eighth time, you know, after trying the same thing over and over again, you know, I finally realized I think it wasn't gonna happen, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to keep a job if I kept doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and that, you know, I, I appreciate you coming onto our show and being, you know, very fearless in, in telling your story, you know, cause like uh, I myself, I've been fired from the last four out of five jobs that I've worked, you know, I've been fired yeah. for, for theft, for using uh, around machinery, uh, for absenteeism, tardyism, uh, for other things, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like it's it's hard to discuss. But uh, I know that all of our listeners are are very grateful that you're here with us. So give me a big knuckle there, man. <laughs> knuckle you know? sandwich. Dog? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I appreciate you. Yes, sir. So so then you decided to come out. Right. right. And you called you. You made that one call. Right. The same way that everyone who gets to elevate makes that call. It's like, OK, I'm ready. I'm ready right now. I'll do whatever I need to do to, to get into treatment. Mm -hmm. And your mom had this ready for you. Did you, did you drive here? Uh, we flew out here. You flew. Where are you from? Dallas, Texas. Everything bigger
1: out there or? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot more open space, dog. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's cool though. It's cool. I love, I love my hometown Dallas, Mm -hmm. but, uh. You know it's
0: nice to be out here on the west coast yeah i enjoy it so i mean man you know detoxing off of methamphetamines yeah. you jumped on that plane yeah man well i i'm gonna be
1: honest the the night before i so i called my mom on a monday yeah she told me to pack my things by tuesday come to her house tuesday night
0: mm-hmm.
1: thursday morning we were leaving to fly out here mm-hmm. uh, and so tuesday night i spent all the money i had on drugs yep and uh drugs needles things like that and just did them all night long, and, uh, yeah, so I was still feeling pretty high. The well, last I hurrah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good thing I'm still here to, yeah. you know, talk about that. That was, oof. Yeah. That was a dangerous game I played.
0: That is a dangerous game. The last fix mm-hmm. before treatment is something that I'm sure all of us remember. Yeah. You know, it's that last one. You say, okay, this is it, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're either you're going to get really high or you're going to, you know you popped people overdose during these times and that's mm-hmm. especially now with fentanyl right Dude, it's the worst it's in it's insane mm-hmm. you know so you got on that plane high as a kite were you scared Oh yeah uh no I was pissed off at everything yeah cuz I
1: was starting to come down you know it had been about 16 hours since mm-hmm. I like finished uh, quite a bit of meth and uh, I smoked a joint uh, or two on like right before I got on the plane right on uh, had all my stuff you know and i was in the everything my mom said was irritating me mm-hmm. like and dude she just wanted to help you know like yeah. and also she felt like she had to be on her toes around me for the past like three four years of me doing meth mm-hmm. and so like she was just she didn't know how to handle me because i was i wasn't able to be handled i wasn't you know i was unreasonable mm-hmm. uh so i was irritated and then yeah i got off the plane uh Asked her to go to a dispensary. (laughs) She did not like that whatsoever. She wasn't
0: down with that? No, 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 no.
1: We had a big argument about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when I showed up to rehab, I was pissed. Mm
0: -hmm. I was like,
1: I want to go smoke some weed before I go to rehab. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. She wouldn't let me. Uh, I had some drinks on the plane, though, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I guess when we got here, she called um, our intake guy, Mike, Mm -hmm. and uh, was like, hey, he didn't get to go to a dispensary, so he's a little pissed off right now. Yeah. <laughs> Mike just laughed and was like, "Yeah, we get that."
0: Yeah. So, so we met you at the airport. Uh, I we drove out from the airport. Oh, so mm-hmm. so when you when you flew from Texas uh, to California, mm-hmm. uh, who did you drive with your mom to elevate from there? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys rented a car.
1: Yeah, we had a little rental. She she just drove me out, dropped me off, and drove back.
0: Okay. And okay. Flew back that day. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you're like, yeah, now I'm in California. You know, I'm Mm going to, I'm going to do the California sober thing for a minute. You know,
1: know, get some bud. It's California rehab.
0: That's a crazy idea, man. So, but now we're in the golden state and you go up to reception, you meet Mike Lynch. Yeah. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It
1: was cool, man. Um, I remember at first, you know, me and my mom, we just didn't talk the whole ride after the whole argument thing. And so, we get in there. We sit down to start doing our intake stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike's at the front of the table. I'm right mm-hmm. here. You know, my mom's sitting, like, where you are. Yeah. And uh, I was sitting there trying to start signing this stuff, and I realized, I was like, like, me and my mom, we never have, like, consistent beef. You know, like, that's mm-hmm. not a thing. And so I was like, Mike, can you give me my mom a second? I apologized to my mother. She, mm-hmm. you know, we said we loved each other, gave each other a hug, and uh, called Mike back in, and we started signing stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh uh-huh and then i i did ask for some food that was this was a big part of um my intake process uh for me i i was like i haven't eaten in a couple days i'm hungry yeah um and can i get a plate of food and i thought he was gonna bring back some like saltines or something stupid but he (laughs) he came back with like a big plate of like pasta salad and like a stacked up sandwich you know and I was like, okay, this is going to be all right. Had Dijon mustard on it, too, oh, dude. <laughs> that that grape It was great. Yeah. It was It was nice. It was great nice. One. And uh, so that kind of made me more comfortable mm-hmm. with my intake experience, for sure. And Mike was just the coolest. Yeah, he's super cool.
0: Yeah, so, you know, when someone comes in, they're going to meet our, you know, uh, intakes uh, supervisor. His name's Mike Lynch, and... He really is the coolest guy, though. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He's like, what's up, bruh? You know, yeah,
1: every time it's just... Super California, dude. <laughs> yeah, I
0: love Mike Lynch, you know, he's been with us for a long time. So, so then you meet with him, you sign mm-hmm. the paperwork, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, basically saying that you're gonna have a seven-day blackout period, you're not gonna have access to your phone uh, for seven days, but you'll be in contact with us and we check in with you and relay information to your family. Definitely. Right. So from there you know you do the security portion do you remember that uh oh yeah 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 Uh, yeah.
1: (laughs) man who was I with I think I was with uh Ian or Darren that one I couldn't remember who exactly came into the bathroom to um make sure I didn't hide drugs in me (laughs) but yeah definitely uh I think it was I think it might have been Ian
0: I can't remember yes yeah, it's one of those things you're not going to forget. You know, it's like uh, I remember when I came in in 2019. This guy named Pedro Lopez was like, "Okay, well, I'm going to check you for drugs now." And I said, uh, oh, yeah. "I said, okay, I got down to you know my boxers." He's like, "That too." I was like, "Man, <laughs> come on, dog, <laughs> come on, bro." But yeah. no, it's it's a safety thing, right? It's like oh, yeah. checking you, making sure that you don't have any drugs duct taped to your body or anything like that. It's not yeah. like not like people don't try.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. People try all yeah. the time, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah. But uh, I did. <laughs> did you? I, did. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's they That's did. why they did that, you know, for, for guys like me that came in. So you're the guy that broke the rule. I'm the guy, that's why <laughs> that's why things get weird nice. in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so you do this body search, you, you you do the search, you meet with Mike, you meet you do the body search. Right. Um then you drive up to Detox. So Detox is located on our property. Uh, Elevated Addiction Services is located in the Santa Cruz Mountains off of Mount Madonna. It's a very, very, very expansive property. I mean, you can it's- see to the to the mountains, to the, to what's that? There's Monterey Bay over you there. Can you, see, see- you can see all the way to Pebble Beach, you can see to Davenport, yeah. you can see down Watsonville, you can see the Breakers, Moss Landing, and then behind us, what's that park called? It's like a national park or a state park. That's a good question. Mount Madonna State Park. Yes. (laughs) Nice. And we, you know, we'll go on an outings there every once in a while, but we are in the middle Mm -hmm. of the most beautiful nowhere. Yes. Right? Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's super, super beautiful. So, I mean, and it must have been, it must have been hard enough coming here really spun, you know, like you know i'm glad that you worked things out with your mom you know before that she left you're a good guy for that you know you got a big heart we've all seen it since you've been here thank you um but then you go to detox but things are going rather well it's like you know you think you're going to treatment your drugs are gone now you're Mm -hmm. sober and it's like you know you would expect that that you'd be very mad during this time you know or very frustrated or difficult but but now you it sounds like things went rather smoothly they, they did. Uh, I pretty much slept and ate food for the
1: first four days I was up there. I gained 14 pounds in four days. Jesus. Yeah. I, I was I was hungry. I came in at 169. I'm 200 now. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I, I went up there. I slept for four days. Like, dude, I slept on this couch. and de- There's a couch in detox in this little corner. Mm-hmm. It's in the living area, and so uh, no one else got to sit down for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They kept coming up to me like, you know, you think you might be more comfortable in your bed? And I was like, no, I'm good right here. This yeah, is fine.
0: I'm fine right here. Yeah. And yeah. what did they tell you when you said that? They were like, okay. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, yeah sure. Whatever you need.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> it nice. was cool.
1: It was cool. Um, I love detox because there was always food. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the food just got better. And like, that's my
0: favorite thing. This mm-hmm. food. And so that y- was awesome. You, you, food is a very a very like a a reoccurring theme in this story do you have history in like the culinary industry or yeah
1: Yeah. so i've i worked in cocktail bars for a while um Mm -hmm. i worked a little bit in um some nicer kitchens Mm -hmm. um you know cooking cleaning dishwashing making beverages things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, i've done that for about 10 years and so and hotels as well Mm -hmm. um I worked at the Jewel Hotel in Dallas uh, for a little bit. I worked at Black Swan uh, Saloon, is a cocktail bar in Dallas. It's a pretty well known one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked at Sashay in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, they might not be happy that I said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. I definitely that's okay. got fired from Sashay in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some cool places. Um, I have a lot of you know, all my friends are in the industry. Uh, yeah, and so. That would, when I came out here, I actually wanted to go back to Dallas to become a chef mm-hmm. um, and kind of work my way up. Um, but I
0: decided to stay out here. That's cool that someone with your background in history um, had enjoyed your experience with the food and not only enjoyed it, but put on what 10 pounds 14 14 pounds, 14 pounds. Gotta, <laughs> you gotta be two something to do something right yeah damn street,
1: it was it was aggressive yeah. and i ate a lot of food they never had to throw any food out at the end of the night mm-hmm. it was great right on brother.
0: right <laughs> on so you're in detox you're in there for how long
1: uh seven days so seven days i think it was Seven or eight days, something like that. Yeah.
0: Seven or eight days, about a week, right? Yeah. You slept for four days on the couch, and everyone was totally cool with that. Yeah. Like, no one's going to bust your chops and detox. Like, yeah. even the staff up there knows that this is probably the most difficult time of your run. Oh, which yeah. Which is, like, the end of the run, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was it was intense, dude. And, every, you know, everybody's kind of going through it up there, so it's cool to have that, like, camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your detox family is your family through the whole program. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very, very significant, at least to me and my program all the way through to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny, though, too, in detox, you know, there's people up in there that you don't know are in there for like two days.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> You're just like hanging out in detox and someone will just walk out and just like.
0: Ugh. Yeah. all and, In a blanket you know, yeah. all coming off all cold and clammy. And, oh, yeah. yeah. You're like,
1: who are you? And they're like, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> they're like, I've been here for five <laughs> days. You're like, oh, crap me work. too I've been in my room right is <laughs> weird that's cool yeah and then you just hang out and play a game of sandbags or a million other games that you have nice watch a nature documentary oh yeah we love those <laughs> we
0: love our nature documentaries and detox yeah, you know? yeah if any alumni hear that they're gonna they're gonna know immediately <laughs> yeah dynasties dynasties, <laughs> dynasties yeah. <laughs> how it's made yes yes lots of Neil deGrasse Tyson up there dude that was funny So, you've been up there, you slept for four days, you wake up, you kind of chill, kick it, play some cornhole, throw some bags around, um, watch some documentaries. It sounds rather smooth. It was chill. Right? Yeah. You know, did you take any medication while you were up there? Um, I was on uh, some sort of,
1: it was an anti-anxiety thing of some sort. It wasn't like, you know, Xanax or Klonopin, Mm -hmm. uh, but that was pretty much it. Uh, yes. That and vitamins. Yeah. Um. Nothing really too crazy, and then I stopped taking, um, everything but the vitamins. Um. Pretty quickly
0: once I woke up. Yes. You know. And in our in our detox portion of our program, uh, people are medically detoxed. so we'll stabilize somebody using, you know, prescription medications uh, for detox. But by the time you go down the hill and start your phase one in the residential population. You know uh, of the main facility right because detox is a separate facility you're going to be off all of your all of your meds your detox meds right so you get off your meds you're cleared to come down into a residential mm. and then you come down and you start mindfulness phase one yes and you sit mindfulness right yeah um Mindfulness and mindful meditation, Eastern philosophies and holistic treatment is kind of what we do here at Elevate. And that is like our, you know, um, what makes us special and very unique uh, amongst other treatment centers. Um, but, but coming from the lifestyle of the hustle and bustle of the, of the culinary industry and family things and, you know, um, and methamphetamines. And, you know, now, now, we're, now we have a singing bell right yeah and we all sit in a circle for a minute start our day off with a 25 you know 25 minute meditation definitely close your eyes and, and experience your senses how was your first mindfulness practice shaky, shaky. Yeah, <laughs> a little yeah.
1: bit shaky right yeah yeah I, I had so I had started kind of practicing um, you know I gotten into Zen a little bit Zen Buddhism mm-hmm. um, before I came out here because you know I I had no chill. I couldn't focus on anything and I was extremely in a bad mindset. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. care if I lived or died. Mm-hmm. Um and one of my coworkers mentioned um this like Alan Watts lecture and I listened to it and it, it just kind of brought me up and I was like what did this guy do? You know, and then I looked into his stuff and you know, he was really into Zen and so I started practicing meditation at home mm-hmm. which was weird on meth, but that was the only time that I could get a second to like breathe and focus on the day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and when I saw that that was a big part, you know, meditation, mindfulness out here, I was, that was one of the things that made me want to come out here. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of sold me on the rehab, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so my first time I was excited, um, definitely tried too hard. Like, I was like, all right, I'm going to sit crisscross. I'm going to, like, try yes. to get into the meditative state. But then I realized that's not
0: really how it's about. You know, you right. got to kind of just right. you just be. Yes. And uh, day one, it's like, okay, I'm going to become one with the universe I'm yeah. in this right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. You want to do everything. It's an addict mindset, dude. You want to do everything at once and as much of it as possible. But then you realize, man, it's just going to get better.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? So the Dalai Lama walks into a pizza shop and says, I'll take one with everything. <laughs> oh man, okay, Dude, that's I had to throw that in there. That's that's it's a classic joke. I like it, you know. Yes, yeah, right? <laughs> right, nice. So, okay, I remember my first mindfulness experience sitting in this circle. Um, you know, I had my cowboy boots on. You know, right? I came from nice from the uh, uh, you know blue collar trades. You know, uh, farm labor, uh, mechanics. Uh, you know, still in iron construction my background and I remember sitting in this circle with my eyes closed just like oh my god what am I doing you know yeah. but but that's cool that then that, and that's kind of the reason that that brought you here one of the big major points that you chose this place over other places is that in your own life even amongst the chaos of you know of the life of the addiction and things like that uh you were able to find some value in zen and and exploring the Zen and the mindfulness and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that space, the Buddhist kind of, Buddhish kind of space, right? Um, And that's cool that, you know, it's like these things work. Yeah, they really do, they really do. And sometimes you need a little bit of extra help in coming to treatment where you separate yourself from your environment, from the drugs, from the people, from the places, the things, the culture, Mm -hmm. the industries, you know, and, and the society of the drugs that we build around ourselves, you know, um, and we really dive deep into that and you, you were able to, to run such a good program, you know, and you graduated and now you're part of, you know, our Elevate family, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Happy to be a part of that family yeah, too. So, it's, a,
0: it's a great place. Yes. So in phase one, right? The initial phase, we separate mm-hmm. all the people for those listening. Uh, if you're in treatment for the first about, it takes about two weeks to finish phase one. I think that's fair. took me a little long, a little long. <laughs> right, but
1: pro- normal people, like, like all, a lot of people caught up to me. Yeah. You know, my first, my first couple days down, you know, even though I had mm-hmm. detox completely, I, uh, was still in a lot of negative mindsets. And so like I would get discouraged easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were certain days where like I would just not participate, mm-hmm. uh, not in a negative way necessarily just days I just got tired. You know, mm-hmm. I was exerting too much energy all the time because I was used to being full of energy because yes, of drugs. You're right. Yeah. And so, um. Mindfulness definitely helped with that, to be able to chill out and, you know, get grounded Mm -hmm. and
0: um, be more consistent to maintain to get my work done. That is so cool that that the program, you know, it takes on average 60 days, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a progress-based program. Yes. So it's not a count the days program, but more of a make the days count program. And if there's parts of this program that somebody, you know, may need to spend some extra time on that, you know, in a certain area, you know, or... Uh, You know, whether it's addressing certain losses or different traumas or anything like that, you know, our treatment team, you know, will work around that in a way that allows you to get the help that you need. So, yeah, the average person spends two weeks in phase one approximately. But if you if you spent a little bit more, we say, hey, like we're here for that, you know, like we're here to create a space for you to get all that you can if you want more like we're going to give you more. You know, more time, take things slower, explain things further. Who was your group facilitator in phase one?
1: Uh, Greg.
0: Greg. Greg Fry. Mr. Greg. Is his last name Fry? Greg Fry. Nice. Yes. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, so all of our treatment groups, um, you know, being that we're not like a 12-step based program, you know, it's like all of our uh, facilitators are very close to their CADC or, you know, uh, RADTs with, you know, which is like a registered alcohol drug tech. Everyone's credentialed. And abides by ethics, you know, of California, uh, Ccap, which is like our credentialing agency that does, you know, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Greg's, you know, a, a registered, you know, person with, you know, with ethics and and things like that in California, uh, treatment specialist, right? A drug technician, um, and he led these groups. Did Did you tell me your experience with Greg? He was
1: uh, really cool, really welcoming. Uh, mm-hmm. You know he was kind of a very a very chill level-headed guy to be and so i thought he was great for the first um phase uh Mm -hmm. he helped me out a lot you know and anytime he was never aggressive with me you know like or anything like that or too you know pushing for me to do my work like there was a couple days where i just like lay down on the ground and then fell asleep and he's just like hey you want to wake up and do your work and i was like yeah i do (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and then when I started to get through some harder stuff, like, you know, there's a section called losses, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I lost my dad when I was 17, and so Mm -hmm. that was like a big um, start to my addiction. Um, Mm -hmm. I was, you know, using drugs before that, but that's when it started to, you know, accelerate completely, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I got to losses, you know, I didn't even make it through the introductory paragraph before I started bawling, and. Yeah, you know, because I just never faced that. I d- distracted myself completely from right. that for the past eight years of my life. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, came up and was like, you need a minute. Like, Let's go talk. And we went and talked about it. And mm-hmm. he's like, take a walk, you know, mm-hmm. like, take your time. Because like, all the stuff we deal with is really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not easy stuff to process, but it's stuff that we haven't processed that we need to process. So that, and that was one of the things, again, that I knew when coming out here was there's a lot I needed to process Mm -hmm. and I just didn't have the time in regular life. Um, Even in like an intensive outpatient, you know, where I was still working, I didn't have the time to do that. You know, I needed Mm -hmm. to get away from my life. I needed to focus on myself and I needed to uh, just confront everything that I was doing wrong, that I was thinking wrong, you know, and figure out how to fix it.
0: And Elevate helped me so much with that, dude. Like, yeah. The program really helped. You know, it's like a lot of the times, you know, or I think about my own my own situation with treatment or with your situation, you know, somewhere somewhere along the lines we're living our life, right? You know, we start off as casual drug users, right? Mm-hmm. First it's weed, then it's cocaine, then we're, you know, then we're doing meth, right? Mm-hmm. And then Right. And as as being someone else who's in recovering from, you know, methamphetamines as well. Um, And one day we wake up and we're just like, oh, my God, like I'm in way too deep now. Yeah. Right. And we don't know how we got there or when we got there or, you know, the whatever life threw at us. We just wake up one day and say, okay, like I'm really deep in this now. One hundred percent. You know, and coming to treatment a lot of the times when we when we really take a step back and take a sober look at our lives guided by our elevate staff. They kind of guide us into why we use the way we did. Sometimes we didn't really know. Can you relate to that? 100%. Yeah. I, I knew that there was things,
1: you know, like, and, and the obvious one was my dad's death. Um, but I didn't know what else, you know, I was doing wrong. Like, that's one thing that I, I actually wrote down in a notebook before, um, coming here. I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I'm, I want to do good now. Like I've, mm-hmm. I was doing so many drugs for so long. I just got tired of it. But at that point then I was so deep that I couldn't climb out by myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? I'm trying to do good, but things just are continuing to be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, addressing a lot of things that I, I feel like I knew, mm-hmm. but I had never brought it up to myself you know like like dodging emotions for example like one of the first things you know i Mm -hmm. i i know not to dodge emotions and to feel things you know like Mm -hmm. that was something that i was you know raised to do like feel your emotions but i did that still you know i Mm -hmm. i knew what to do and i chose not to Mm -hmm. and so addressing that and then going through you know questions and like Things that asked me about myself and talking it through with myself, basically. Mm -hmm. It helped me to address it and uh, work on fixing and changing my uh, thought patterns and things like that.
0: That's so cool that the program worked itself in a way that built you up into a place where you could really address that. Um, And you talked about, what is it, Chapter 4 Losses? Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 4 Losses. Like, I mean, to me, I remember this stuff like it's yesterday because it just burned itself. Yeah. you know, into my soul as I was going through this, this treatment episode uh, with Elevate. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's like chapter four in one's, you know, one of our Elevate curriculum books. We have our own curriculum that, you know, that we've developed and we've, it's very arbitrary, very our own. You know, it is our Elevate program. We're very proud of that. Yeah. Um, but in getting to that place, you know, about midway through your book in phase one, um, do you remember the first assignment that you did when you got into phase one? Yeah. What dude. was it? Tell, tell so, our listeners.
1: So basically what you do is um, you learn how to learn again. So I haven't been in school since 8th grade. Mm-hmm. Like I was I was homeschooled through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but never like a formal school setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and however many years that is. I don't remember. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, right? It's <laughs> a long time. Yes. But um, so, you know, you kind of I actually learned how to use a dictionary for the first time. Like, I, I've used a dictionary, but I didn't know what... They line out everything about a dictionary. Yes. Um, so
0: this first assignment, it, it involves a dictionary? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's vocabulary. <laughs> it's just like a... It's a quick vocabulary lesson, you mm-hmm. know? Um, teaching you some words and some meanings and things like that. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, you do some writing, you know, a couple essays. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're done with that, you know, you kind of get the whole, like, I'm writing stuff thing. Mm-hmm. And then you get back into the mindset of working you know in a book yes and uh after i got through with that you know i was able i I was ready i felt ready to start writing Mm -hmm. and you know most of what we do is writing Mm -hmm. Um, and that that helped me a lot too i enjoyed i enjoyed every part of it (laughs) 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 a lot of people do yeah like i mean there's obviously gonna be hard days like there was hard days for me up there Mm -hmm. but like looking back 100% like it was all
0: beneficial in every way. Yes, that's so cool. You know, the first assignment that we give to a client when they come into phase 1 is learning foundations it's called, where we have somebody look up three words in a dictionary. We teach you how to use a dictionary and you look up and define three words in the dictionary, mm-hmm. right? And from there we that's how that's how that's where we start with our program. I remember doing this assignment and saying, "How is this going to make me not want to Put needles in my arms anymore? Yeah, right. Right? Like, how does this? How does this make my court case go away? Like, how? You know, how do I? What? What am I doing right now? But there was such a method in the madness. And from the end of your program, you're able to kind of see, like, oh my god, like. We started with something small. How to learn again? Mm-hmm. Right. We learn how to learn. We look up words in a dictionary. If we don't know what something is, we can always, we have the power to figure that out. Yeah. And then to carry on with our phase one. Yeah. And then from there, you do, you know, introduction to mindfulness, uh, different team counseling, group counseling, experiential based, CBT, DBT, kind of things like that. And then you, you know, you address losses right? You have a lost calendar, mm-hmm. you know, you do emotional dodging, right? Like you were, like you were talking about earlier where we say, what emotions are we running from? Uh, you know, what's our typical responses to life situations? What would be a better response? And we just start that small, write a couple of essays and then bam, like you're done with phase one. And it sounds like you've got a lot from phase one in, in the very tip of the iceberg in addressing, you know, the passing of your father.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Phase one. Um you know, it kind of, it brought up everything and brought it all to the surface. And so at that point, you know, I could kind of see all these different things that I needed to work on. Mm-hmm. And I now had tools for each individual one. I just needed to start, you know, working mm-hmm. on. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really good for me. And honestly, by phase one, I felt like everything that I wanted to get out of the program that I knew I needed to do had been brought up and started to be dealt with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so after phase 1 I was just excited to move on to phase 2 and phase 3 because I was like I've done this much better after finishing just one phase what else can I do to progress myself you know I'm sober now so all I have and I have I'm off work so I've like right. I have time to work on myself so what can I do better
0: Yes and we said well Connor we have good news for you congratulations <laughs> on finishing phase 1 now you're going to be entering phase 2 and the title yeah. of phase 2 is self awareness Yeah So Phase one and phase two are, are vastly different, right? Phase one is very, it's very, you know, it's more easygoing than you're going to find in phase two because phase one, you know, uh, two and a half weeks ago, you were flying on an airplane from Houston, Texas to California, high on methamphetamines. Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. My bad, right? So when you get into, <laughs> when you get into this treatment program, you know, it's not like we're not going to throw crazy things at you like, yeah. off tops. Yeah. You know, but you got the introduction, you're like, and all these things were brought up that you wanted to address, mm-hmm. you know, were brought up at some capacity. Right. And then you enter phase two. What happens then?
1: So in phase two, you know, it, it was it was self awareness, but I, I noticed a lot of it was external things. So, like, mm-hmm. toxic people, um, codependency. What is toxic people? What's that? Toxic people are just people that are not helping you, you know? Yes. And uh, people that hold you back mm-hmm. um, if you allow it. Mm-hmm. you know
0: so toxic people is a is a portion of our program where a one-on-one counselor is going to get with our client and uh we're going to look at the relationships that you have in your life and either work with you individually on setting up healthy boundaries or you know assisting you and supporting you in removing these people from your life mm-hmm. you know if they're not conducive to your recovery or to the goals that you've now made since being in phase one um, so that was part of it right
1: yeah yeah definitely and it was it was crazy to look at the people that you know i had in my life and you go through and you make a list and like why they might be toxic Mm -hmm. and you know i had a lot of toxic people in my life that i didn't think about and you know i also didn't recognize a toxic person when i saw one because Mm -hmm. i'm i'm just a i'm a friendly person and i want to be friends with everybody and you know i i felt bad you know because i had a lot of self-image problems um a lot of negative self-talk and so I felt Mm -hmm. bad whenever I would not give someone all of my attention and all of me you know which Mm -hmm. even if they were a very negative person in my life even if I did love them you know like I have some friends that I love you know but like I can't be around them because they're gonna hold me back and they're gonna um, encourage me to do things that are negative to my life like getting high and putting needles in my arm and all kinds of crazy stuff yes
0: on the journey from you know, drinking your first beer to mm-hmm. intravenous methamphetamine use. You know, mm-hmm. we build our lives around around this and before we know it, when we want to get clean, right, we get to that moment where I can't do this anymore. You know, our job or lack of job has yeah. already been touched by our addiction. All of our friends circle, all of our good friends, you know, the guys yeah. that were studying and, and doing stuff like that are are now not hanging out with us because we party too much. Mm-hmm. Right. So we found new friends who, you know, weren't are not the best for our recovery yeah not at all (laughs) you know maybe you find a a girlfriend or a partner or a boyfriend or what have you and Mm -hmm. and you know in your active addiction and you know they're not going to be conducive to your recovery most of the time if they're with somebody who is in active addiction definitely right um you know and before you know it it's like you know you want to get clean on the outside right we try to get clean you've tried to get clean out there yeah I've tried to get clean yeah. out there, right? And it's like, okay, now I'm not doing drugs, but I never thought to address, oh my god, maybe I have a toxic work environment. Yeah. You know, maybe my friends are toxic, maybe my partner's toxic, maybe, you know, um, my living situation is toxic or lack of living situation. Yeah. Right? Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> right? There's, yeah. you know, it gets real gnarly out there. So, oh, yeah. you know, but but it that's cool that That through this program, you were able to kind of come to terms with that and address that uh, during the self-awareness, awareness awareness of yourself, you know, in where you sit in relation to things outside of yourself. So you were able to address your, you know, your friends and things like that in toxic people working with us in that portion of your program. Uh, How have things been with your family now that you're in phase two? So at this point, you know, like I was still a little
1: stubborn right through mm-hmm. phase one with like so i'd be calling my mom and uh, it would just be kind of weird Um mm-hmm. uh, but eventually you know after like learning a couple of different things i started to apply the tools i learned in phase one and mm-hmm. it helped you know and i had to kind of swallow my pride a little bit which i never did when i was on drugs mm-hmm. and uh understand where she was coming from you know she just was having to watch her son you know almost die multiple times uh and she can't really do anything about it because I wouldn't let her talk because I was so high, you know, I wasn't wasn't open to anyone's thoughts but my own. I thought I knew everything. Um, And so going into phase two, you know, our relationship had completely changed to like just a beautiful relationship. We just talk all the time. We didn't fight, you know, we didn't have arguments. I could understand her, you know, she could understand me. Uh, She told me she felt like she was never able to have an opinion around me. And that completely changed uh, because I started hearing her out, mm-hmm. and so that was awesome. You know, my mom's a huge part of my recovery, huge part of my life, and so to mend that relationship and uh, like to start mending it at the beginning of that program mm-hmm. was just incredible.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, you said that your relationship changed. Y- you know, that's partially true, but you changed your relationship. Yeah. By you showing up to this program and doing the next thing and trying to maintain a good attitude or having your down days and, and use utilizing the support of our treatment staff or your peers or the program itself, you know, like you said, the program builds on itself, right? Yeah. You're able to use what you learned in phase one, in phase two, when things got a little deeper, maybe a little heavier, you know, and you mended that. And that's, you know, we are not powerless over, over our addiction, over our life, over our... Uh, circumstances, and that's something that we, you know, that we try to empower the individual, right, to mend these things, empower and support, right. Yeah. So you've, so you've been showing up, you've been making these calls. Your mom's t- talking to you. You're listening, right, and you're making progress. When you're building the relationships with the people who matter in your life, yeah, right. While also figuring your own self out and yeah. becoming more self-aware in phase two definitely the yeah the self-awareness
1: helped me a lot because you know that was a lot of things i was aware of but not not really that aware of as much as (laughs) i look back you know like i knew i was like i had uh codependency issues but Mm -hmm. you know i didn't realize how intense they were you know that's Mm -hmm. that's what i attracted you know and was attracted to Mm -hmm. you know was anyone who we couldn't be alone you Mm -hmm. know like relationships friendships things like that you know it's like I realized the past five years, even like I've hung out with people consistently. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've never been alone and the relationships I did have, we were together all the time, you know, and it was because we were so scared to be with ourselves
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it, it was just, it was toxic. It was bad. Yes. And that's so
0: cool that that you've been able to come to terms and, and become self-aware of your own codependent tendencies you know the people in your life that are toxic to your relationship the improvement of the relationships to your family yeah. and you said your mom says that you that she couldn't talk to you she couldn't communicate with you right right because we have this one portion of our phase 2 which is what we call communications mm-hmm. right where we teach people how to communicate you know and how to how to communicate in a way where we're not losing our cool we don't have to get emotionally overwhelmed we can just communicate and learn communication techniques and skills right very cool so that's going to be phase two, um, you know, self-awareness and, you know, uh, then we go to phase three, phase three, the big R word responsibility, right? Yeah. That one's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> right? right. It's such a good phase. It's yes. a hard phase, man. It, mm-hmm. it takes a
1: lot of time, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the beginning of it, you know, it's it's heavier, but it's not crazy heavy, you know, going into, um, you know, pros and cons, Mm -hmm. positive decision-making. There's a nine step problem solving Mm -hmm. method um, or decision-making method, Mm -hmm. um, that you kind of go over and just learn how to make positive conscious decisions in your life. Because like I, I couldn't, you know, Mm -hmm. like doing what I was doing and that was one of the things I needed to work on. Um, and then after that, little bit you know i moved up to uh, the area we call the sunroom mm-hmm. um, which is where we eat but also it overlooks the mountain you know kind of there's windows around it
0: it's where i play ping pong every day yeah describe the sun <laughs> like because in each phase you're going to be in a different course room yes right? so you start your phase one in one room with one facilitator phase two who is your facilitator in phase two Keon. Oh, and, and all of our listeners, they Keon. know Keon, they love Keon. I mean... Keon's the best. Keon He's is an best. Elevate classic.
1: Yeah. Keon. And, <laughs> dude, and he actually, um, he helped me, uh, you know, so Father's Day came around, mm-hmm. um, and I was uh, i was already having a hard week. You know, I've never been sober on Father's Day mm-hmm. um, after my dad passed, mm-hmm. and so the... I remember the day before they mentioned, like, maybe we'll do Father's Day cards tomorrow or something like that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to do Father's Day cards. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, and that next morning, Keon comes in and he's like, So we're going to be doing mindfulness. We're going to be doing an education. We're going to be doing experiential, but we're going to be all together and we're all going to be writing Father's Day cards. Mm-hmm. And I got up and I walked out and I slammed the door. I was mm-hmm. like, And I had told myself too, I was like, I'm going to do that. Like I had already made the decision in my mind, like I'm going to walk out if we are doing father state cards. Mm -hmm. And I walked out, um, and was just sitting, you know, I was crying. I was like, I hate this. I hate this. You know, it it wasn't Mm -hmm. like that. I hate the program. It's just, I just, I had never wanted to confront that. You know, I've Mm -hmm. never dealt with that because it's just super hard. My dad was an awesome dude. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, one of um the trainees, Mr uh Mr Jimmy mm-hmm. came up and uh he talked to me and he lost his dad this year mm-hmm. too. And um we both lost our dads in very similar ways. Mm-hmm. And we talked and it was it was really positive and then he looked at me and he's like, I think you should uh I think you should do the letter and I was like, what, what do you mean? Why should I do the letter? And he's like, Yeah no, I think it would be really good, you know, I I did a letter to my dad when I was in the program, mm-hmm. and it was like a letter of gratitude it was what everybody was doing for their dad, but you know, I was confused as how to do that with my dad being passed away. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I decided, okay, I think I might do the letter. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to class, Keon was coming out. Keon was like, you know, um, I forget which one of his family members died, um, but he was like, I wrote a letter to them and then I lit it on fire. Mm-hmm. and let it go you know mm-hmm. and i was like i think i'm gonna do that and so we did our education block we did uh our and then we moved into our um our block doing cards for our dads mm-hmm. and i went alone i wrote it i was crying the whole time um really really beautiful experience writing that letter um, just of gratitude i've never thought about my you never thought about that situation like that you know um, with that as a foundation or a baseline of you know my thinking and uh then i found keon uh mm-hmm. and he took me out to the um, area we call frog hill mm-hmm. uh, and we lit it up and watched it just fly off the mountain into the um into the air and it was, it was beautiful, man. Uh, I remember I got up and all of a sudden it was like all of that weight was lifted off my shoulders Mm -hmm. and you know, that intense feeling when like you get like a really good hug, like, and you just get all that oxytocin, you know, (laughs) all that good feeling, you know, like you're loved and like, you know, you feel close. That's how I felt, you know, and I went and I did a walk and I looked over the mountain and, uh, instantly all the good memories of my dad started flooding in. Mm-hmm. It was no more memories of him being sick, no more memories of him feeling bad. And mm-hmm. it was it was absolutely it dude it, it like it was incredible. It it made it, it it made my program to be able to deal with that.
0: And it made your program.
1: Yeah. To be know. able to get through that. Because I had no idea how I was going to do it but I knew I needed to. Yeah. And shouts out to Keon and Jimmy for that.
0: Yeah, right on, right on to them. Yeah, you know that was really, really cool. Because your program lasted how many days? Uh, 70, 71. 71 days, Mm -hmm. right? Um, In the span of 71 days and this program asking you, you know, different questions about yourself, maybe you address your friends or your family or yourself, your own self-awareness, your own levels of responsibility or things like that, different things are going to come up and you're not even going to know that they're coming. Mm-hmm. Right For you, that was, that was Father's Day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and doing, you know, doing the Father's Day activities of writing that letter, you know, doing a burn letter where you where you wrote it and sent it out to him, you know, in the sky. Um, man, I'm supposed to be hosting this podcast, but you are just leaving me speechless here. You know, that's, that's that is that is very, very just awesome
1: it was it was incredible man right it, it was the highest i've ever been <laughs> like man. honestly dude like i i uh i felt so good like i just felt so much love
0: at that moment you know yeah the sober high yeah it's a real thing it's a real thing i'm getting chills just thinking about that because i'm you know when you get sober they tell you that you feel better but you feel everything better Yeah. Right. You feel the happiness better. You feel the sadness better. You feel depression better. You feel anger better. You feel everything. Mm -hmm. And to address and confront, you know, some of the biggest traumas or defining moments of your life, you know, or different things in a sober, controlled environment with support of our staff or, you know, through um, groups that are led by, you know, people like Keon, people like Greg, people like Brooks. you know, these really cool magic moments happen. Yeah. You know, and that makes everything worth it. One hundred percent, man. You know? You know, and I, I see
1: so many people have that too. You know, everybody's got their thing mm-hmm. that kind of pushes their program in the right direction. You know, mm-hmm. there's a point where you hit a break and that's that break that needed to happen in treatment, you know? Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about the, you know, sixty day program is that you know, you are forced to go through, like, hardships, you know, because two months is, you know, as a addict, you know, you deal with emotions that come up. You can only fake something for so long, you know, especially mm-hmm. as a meth head that I was, dude. I couldn't right. keep a job for that long, so. Yeah. Like, I had to, you know, get angry and, like, have traumatic experiences come up, you know. I didn't have distractions like my phone. I didn't have distractions like a computer and you know i couldn't just go do stuff you know it was like we're here hanging out with our friends um you know being social but also working on ourselves and things come up you know and one of them is gonna or multiple are gonna get to you and that was one that got to me but it got to me and i dealt with it you know
0: that is so cool it's like an aha moment yeah exactly you know, that the aha moment of like okay like after that how did you in the moments after that the moments or the space or the time mm-hmm. long or short term what were you thinking about drugs after that I
1: I didn't I just didn't think about drugs like you know I was I was just thinking about doing things you know like yes. I, I was, I'm i just I'm like, you know when you get to a, such a low point mm-hmm. getting that life back that you had and that mental clarity and that you know happiness it's it it kind of overshadows any thought of drugs you know and like it's like I, th- drugs are such a small thing yet yeah. for some reason such a huge thing mm-hmm. you know like when i look at like when i think about meth i think like a crystal yes. a little crystal ruined yes. my life you know or like heroin mm-hmm. you know whatever just like something so small yeah ruined my life for a while you know it took over my life when there's so many things we could do Mm -hmm. you know so much positive things and so much fun
0: things that are exciting it sounds like you've gotten a taste for what true recovery actually is which isn't the I'm not going to do drugs anymore but what am I going to do yeah I am going to experience life and I'm going to feel my emotions and I'm going to enjoy the time I have with the family that I have and the people that I have it with Mm -hmm. and I'm going to and now you've, since finishing phase three and phase four, mm-hmm. you've, you know, you've hopped on with us. Yeah. Right, and now you yeah. wanna make the world a better place.
1: I, I dude, I remember in phase two, uh, just kind of, or no, no, I think it was the beginning of phase three, I, I realized, you know, what we were doing here, you know, and it's making people, you know, number one, saving individuals' lives that come here, but we're also touching the lives of people that go out there, you know, their families' lives, their friends' mm-hmm. lives, you know? And, you know, we, I think that, you know, any, anyone that's working in recovery, you know, that's just pushing to help this problem that's going on right now with people, mm-hmm. you know, and things that are taking people's lives, hurting people. Mm-hmm. I think that we're all making a huge difference in the world, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just like lucky and grateful to be able to have the opportunity to come on to staff at uh, Elevate and intern and train and hopefully to sign on, you know, in the future and. Uh,
0: that's up to you guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, someone with such a powerful, a powerful experience yeah. as your own, with the attitude that you have and the insights, you know, it's, it's like when, when you know, when Jimmy the trainee helped you out when you had that mm-hmm. that moment, you know, someone who's actually been through that, yeah, was there for you, yeah you know so they're going to come at you differently and the same way when when now you see a guy come into detox who's super spun off yeah you know, he's faded off the crisp, right? and, yeah you know and he has his moment you know you're going to be there for him and use your experience mm-hmm. to try to help that individual definitely you know and before you know it it's like you know the world's just better
1: yeah right yeah it's the little things you're just like in our recovery dude it's the little things like you know making your bed you know, you change one person's life,
0: you change thousands of people's lives, dude. Yeah, that's how it works, and that's so cool. It's and it's crazy to think that you've been out of treatment for day seven. It's Friday, yeah. Yeah. So one it's,
1: week out of treatment.
0: You've been out of treatment for seven days, yeah. and this is who you are. Yeah that is cool I feel it's like you, you sound to me like someone who's been in this like you know in the industry for forever you know or, or been recovery for more than you know 70 80 days right yeah 87 yeah. right it's,
1: it's a yeah, 70 70. No, no, 70 77 78 something like that
0: this is so cool I love it you know yeah. that's so cool okay well Connor you know it's been such a pleasure there's other things that we could have gotten into you know sure. that maybe we'll get into in the future. Who knows? Yeah, love to be back. You know, but we are very happy to have you here. Uh, our clients are very happy to have you here as well. Um, you know, and I know your mom out there is listening, going to listen to this, and she's going to be okay. very happy to hear this, right? She's going to be stoked. That's so cool. <laughs> hey, my mom too. Oh right? yeah. So moms are the best. You know, as as people in recovery, you know, it's like it's it's just so cool to to feel. To feel our emotions and to be, you know, just to be sober, to be clean and to experience our human experience in a way that makes us happy, but also helps the world as a whole. 100%, man. You know, so on that note, I'm thinking that, you know, we, we get ready to end this episode. Sure. Um, I've been your host, uh, Seth Provencio for the Elevate Experience podcast. This has been my lovely and wonderful, awesome person of a guest, Mr. Connor McKibben.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you.
0: Right on. And if you guys who are listening have questions about Elevated Addiction Services or where to find us, uh, you can find us on Instagram, Elevated Addiction Services, at that. Um, you can go to you know Google search uh, Elevated Addiction Services in Santa Cruz, California, or in South Lake Tahoe. Um, which result is it? It's the one with the great reviews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, right? You know, listen to our uh, podcast on Spotify. Uh, please like download and share this podcast. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, um, I know you guys as much as I am are looking forward to see where this podcast goes since things have changed direction. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been cool that you guys have been listening and have been coming along for the ride of the elevate experience. Um, yeah. you know, Connor, thank you again for being such an awesome guest and sharing your story with us anytime, you know, and, uh, Alrighty, friends. On that note, is, is there anything else you'd like to add in? Man, uh, I I think we covered it, dude. I, I, might not, <laughs> I, I,
1: I might not be thinking, but yeah, no, it's a it's a good life. It's a Life's good, good, man. Feel things,
0: be La- happy. Life is good. Feel things and be happy. Thank you, listeners, <laughs> and enjoy the rest of your day. Love, love. All right, everyone. That is our show
1: for the day. We hope you found some value in listening. And if you did, please share this podcast with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free confidential 24-hour helpline at
0: 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.